It's Craggy Island Rugby Time. I'm Rob Murphy, your host, and we are at episode 28. I'm just about keeping track of all the numbers. Alan Deegan is along with us for a bit of a chat. Hi, Rob. How are you doing, Alan? How are you doing, Dave Finn? I'm very good, Rob. Nice to see you got back on your epic Euro trip. I know, it was a bit of an epic trip, all right? Yeah, I went via Geneva and lots of trains through the Alps. William Davis, you're very welcome along. Good evening. Yeah, what do you reckon? Well, it's uh, right at the end of the season, and... Uh, I'm putting on my optimistic hat now because I've been told I have to. Does that hat say Alan on it as well? Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> I've been practicing this all day. Um, it's still in our hands. It's all about next Saturday. It's going to be so exciting. And they're actually kicking a rugby match off at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, which is almost a unique experience. It brings me back to childhood. When I'm, when I'm putting together little clips of uh, different elements of the podcast at the end of the year, the positive clips from William is going to be, it's going to be so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, yeah, I think there's only, there's, only been, there's only been four games or five games so far this season that kicked off at three o'clock and Zebra have been in three of them. One, one, last two. There is another Alan staff for you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I hope nobody's told Cardiff. <laughs> uh, Dave, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you've got to be excited about the fact that we're playing rugby in May. That means something, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's unusual. I mean, normally this time of year, I'm already drifting into, you know, when does the college championship well, do I have to get tickets for a male Galway clash in rugby? I'm just going to rugby just to chill out and not think about, God, I've got another year of watching male losing all Ireland final, as you only know too well. It's nice to be able to watch rugby. This is our year, by the way, but carry on. It is. To be fair, that sounds dumb now, <laughs> but come September, and like I say, last September saying, if we decide... Ah, uh, can't go going to the last game against the team that's top of the table with a chance to get into the European because if they win, we'd have been laughed out of town. Um, we've been laughed at, uh, but um, we're right. We are going to be going to the last game. Yes, the last game of the season and the last ten seasons we've won two of them. Jeez. Just so you know. Now that's that's why Alan note. gets away with his Alan stats because he comes up with a good one once in a while. On a positive <laughs> note, the last one we won was against the Ospreys. Oh, interesting. And you know what that was? A completely meaningless end-of-season game where we absolutely hammered them, I think. It was. Yeah. We, we beat them when we had Keith Matthew scoring two tries and Ofisa Trevianis. Do you remember him? Yeah. He scored a try for us. Blast from the past. Yeah. John Muldoon was playing that day. You had um, Brownie play oh, that day. Brownie. And Lox was on the bench. So, you know, we had they finished seventh and we finished ninth. Good times. Hey, different times, but we could end up just finishing eight if all goes wrong. That's the other way of looking at William. Yeah, unfortunately, and that will be disappointing. Yeah. There's no there's no getting away Even from Even with that. ten wins and a record points haul and taking it to the last day? Uh, yeah, it's not yeah, it is a record points haul. It's not a record try scoring haul yet. Really? No. We scored fifty tries in two thousand two. Alan's, Alan, Alan's on a roll here He's got a bonus point In this podcast already And it's not even over See, yet That's what you get You give a guy something To play for at the end of the season sorry, He keeps pulling things Sorry, 2004 Sorry, 2003, 2004 Okay, it doesn't always come up But he's got something To play for at the end of the season He's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's got a finger in the pie He needs to keep going But we were eighth that season as well So Here's the stat And I'll go to Alan on this If you want your stats 
27 points from a possible 30 points against the bottom three sides in the league. That is kind of impressive consistency. I think started about three or four years ago under Eric Elway when we started to beat these teams regularly. And it does at least give us a chance. We are beating the teams we should be beating. Of course, you go one step above that and you find Cardiff. And yeah, let's not talk about the points we dropped there. Yeah, 2010, 2011, we finished ninth. It was the first time we'd been off the bottom of the table in five years. Mm. And that's when we started to play a little bit of rugby. Up to then, we'd be just been a disaster. Apart from those earlier seasons, 2002, you know, the, the very early years yeah. before it was a 22-game uh, league. Then you had in 2003-2004, we did score 50 tries. We did let in 59, because mm. that's the other stat we have. That At the moment, we've scored more tries than we've let in for the first time ever in the league. I mean, they are good stats, and you're still going to tell me if we finish eight, and I kind of agree with you. It's a disappointment. It'll be a letdown. Yeah. Because because of what's happened halfway through the season, or even not from the outset of the season, it wouldn't be a letdown no. on your outset hopes. But we were we were a two two half team all through the season. Problems really started after we we beat Munster. We just haven't been consistent enough since that win on January the first. And if you want to look at one game in isolation, I'm going to move away from Cardiff. The Edinburgh game that we played the following week is really the game that has has, has done us in because it was an eight point game. If we'd won it, which I still think we should have done, we would have we would they would be three points less and we would be three points more, and that really would be the difference. We would still be slightly behind the Scarlets, would be we'd be right on their tail, and that that's if you want to pick one game. When we should have been playing at the top of our game, we'd just beaten Munster. Best performance of the season by quite a distance. And we didn't follow it up at home against a side that we'd actually beaten away. And that, it's just the inconsistencies that are frustrating. Do you know what I think, though? I think just like the other teams are stepping up when it really matters. So we're looking at that Edinburgh game as such a slip-up. But what it really was was possibly the fact that Edinburgh that bit a bit better than us. And they were at 100% in that game. You don't think they're that bit better? No, I don't think they're that bit better than us. No, I I think they proved it with their run. The league, but the league table showing. All right, like I was going to go, I was going to make the point as well about the Scarlets being that bit better than us. I think the league table won't lie if they do finish ahead of us. Now I have a, you know, I have a feeling the Osprey is going to be too strong for us this weekend, no matter how we play. And if Edinburgh finish ahead of us, they are better than us. And I think, I think this league more than any league, William, like. There's so many teams that are pushing themselves to to real limits uh, this year, and the Scarlets really turned it on once they realised they weren't going to finish sixth if they didn't. Yeah, they did. And the thing is, you've now got six games on Saturday, and they all mean something. Mm. And you've got four teams tearing each other to bits to try to get these two home. That's usually well sorted out by now. Yeah, it's brilliant. Though. I it's think really exciting. It, yeah. um, Scarlets improved. The, 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 if you want to look at two sides that really haven't done their job are uh, Cardiff and then there's Leinster <laughs> because I I watched that farce last Friday night and it was almost it was almost unbelievable to watch a side with that many internationals and allegedly that much class collapse and crawl over the line against a Treviso team that really weren't even trying it is horrible that we may need Leinster to do us a favour on on, um, on Saturday. It's, it, we may need, yeah. we need and it's, it's the reason I'm saying it, if this was any other season, last season, certainly any of the other previous five coaches, even if they put out the, the, the thirds, they would have done something. But I think even their first team under Matt O'Connor, you just don't know. I think I think he has lost the dressing room there. I think they don't particularly want to play for him. They don't have anything to play for. 
and that's what worries me. I think Edinburgh, I think it, Edinburgh it, retired too from a cup final last mm. weekend, and I don't think they'll be as tired now. Yeah, but I also think, but again, I've been saying it all season is that you just don't know. We are con- we, the reason we are pessim- the pessimism with us is that we know that against the top four side we won't. We we have tendency not to win. I'm not saying we won't win because you can never say you won't win. But the thing is, you could almost predict that. I can't predict Edinburgh's cars. I think it's not impossible. It's unlikely, but not impossible that Treviso could could do the Scarlets because not by more than eight. I don't see us getting the bonus points, so they'll have to beat them by more than eight points for that even to be relevant to us. I can see that happening. All right, I can actually see. That. I don't think it's. I think it's a ten, five, ten percent chance, but it's not impossible okay. because those other two teams have. Got, I mean, we 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 know what's causing our problems. I can't explain. I don't see the Scarlets every week. I don't see Edinburgh every week, but I can't explain. Of all the three teams in it, we are the least likely to win 37-0 we're also the least likely to lose 37-0 and I can see both those teams doing that and I can see them both winning 37-0 that's what makes it exciting from our point of view hence the pessimism and the optimism <laughs> yeah you look. You only have to look at the Leinster thing to, to you know the, the, the team of the season was picked today and there wasn't a single Leinster, team, Leinster player on it that's yeah. a massive indictment to me that's a massive indictment on the coach you only like I'm looking at I looked at Leinster like William the other night. You're looking at those guys going, God, did they actually play for Ireland? Because they don't play for Ireland like that. They're like you know, the likes of Jordy Murphy. I look at him at Leinster and think he's the most average player. He just you know runs around like a headless chicken half the time. When he plays for Ireland, he seems to know what he's doing. It really is a classic case of good coaching, not good coaching. The only thing they have to <clears throat> really play for against Edinburgh is. If they lose, they're going to actually be the sixth qualifier. Oh, no, seeding. Seeding. Mm. The seeding then for next year in the Champions Cup is going to be absolutely horrendous. And it probably is anyways, even in fifth, but it'll be worse. Yeah, it'll be worse. So that gives me a little bit of encouragement, but I, I, just, I just think... Yeah, but all this kind of encouragement, you know, if Connacht can't beat the Ospreys this weekend, I don't see how they're going to win in Gloucester, Dave. I'm not saying beating the Ospreys isn't isn't anything other than our best performance this season, but we'll need our best performance this season to be either both Gloucester. No, we need and to be, no, we need to be better than we were the last time we played Gloucester. We need to be better than that. Well, we and certainly we need to be, be up to the level of beating the Ospreys at home to be Gloucester away. I'm oh god, this is simplistic. Logic. No, I don't, I don't think. I, here's the thing: at, at this moment in time, it is easier to beat Gloucester than it is to beat the beat the Ospreys. The Ospreys are playing very, very well. Uh, are playing have ridiculous amount of experience, and tactical news. That they have street rise guys. I don't buy uh, that. Not winning away from home in Kingsland. I don't buy that. I understand that the Ospreys are cut above Gloucester, but a Connacht team playing. V- 40 minutes of muck Yeah but 40 seven point, good stuff. Yeah, yeah Well here's the thing Maybe we might put in 80 minutes of good stuff Against Gloucester And maybe Gloucester can cope That's my optimism Yeah probably In all realisticness You're going it's, it's a difficult home game Followed by a really difficult away game But if you don't go out there Thinking you're better than them And we can point to We didn't play We played at 55-60% Against Gloucester In that semi-final Sorry, in that quarter-final And we could have beaten them We just didn't show up In the first half And weirdly Here's a strange one. We were talking about in the last podcast about how we think Jack Carty needs to needs a run of positivity. He's going into the game. Yeah. He's going into the game yeah. 
on Saturday in a more positive frame of mind, yeah. having had a good performance. Not that that's spectacularly brilliant, no, but a good, good positive, good. positive performance, landing his kicks, yeah. doing everything right. Which, when he went in against Gloucester, he'd had a mare the week before. Why can't things are improving? We have a better team going out. Yeah, but he needs a good we, game. We'll have a centre partnership which we didn't have against in last year, they, and that's they, assuming that we don't get sixth. They all need good <laughs> games against uh, the Ospreys as well, though, because they're going to have to keep some momentum going. That's my point. Do you know if they're getting in off the back of Edinburgh doing them, or sorry, Leinster doing them a favour? The thing is, the Ospreys are now. We're, we're all just presu- we're talking playoff, but leading leading the league. They they could have turned up here a few weeks ago as the fourth place team, but they've actually been playing really well. They've upped it at the right time. Gloucester have played really well since that Connacht Alex, game. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the semi-final was a rout. The final was a rout. They routed London Irish. They've they've actually woken up. Um, and they've also got this home draw, which we'll get to in a while. Uh, <laughs> coin toss that was done in the public square in front of thousands of people. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, um, look, next Saturday is a one-off. It's a cup final. Dreadful cliche. It's a shooter. Just go out there and go for it. I can't see past. I don't think the Ospreys are not going to do it. I just think they're so determined now. And they've got a really strong side, but we've just got to we've just got to get stuck in. Alan, I want to book in part one, so going to go back and forth just really quickly with we're going to get some zebra audio. Great performance overall. Scrappy first half, though, you know. And what was brilliant about it was the way Connick scored in a flash, like Connick teams of old didn't do. What was a bit worrying about it was a better team would have scored a couple of tries against them as well. Possibly, possibly not. Like I, I really was happy with the fact that we scored the, the twice they scored. We came back down and scored straight away. You know that there's there's a there's a fight about us. And even you know I went back to the looked at the Glasgow game again, and we actually played really well in that game and made a couple of silly mistakes. And then boom, we were out of it. You know, I, you wonder with the the Robbie Henshaw intercept if we hadn't just conceded a try, the chances are he wouldn't. He would have been. Just that little bit calmer, would have seen that the man was rushing up and went off, and we could have scored. Mm. They're, they're tiny things that we do seem to be learning. We're an extremely young team. Like what I'm, what I'm really happy about is that four or five years ago, someone said to me, "What, what do you want out of a conic team?" And I said, "I want a, a conic team that is is exciting to watch, full of young Irish lads, and wins the, you know, win, wins playing good rugby." And we do. We don't win as much as we'd like to do, but when you consider where we were, like six years in a row we finished bottom, effectively, six years in a row, and we slowly built ourselves up, and we're doing with a whole whack of young Irish lads. We're still missing, if Craig Clark hadn't been as badly injured, I think that guy would have made a huge difference to us, and we'd be fighting you know, for fifth or sixth much, much better than we are now, because we just missed that little bit of extra noose and leadership that we're just not getting at the moment. I thought it was a good performance. Uh, I don't know what Zebra were doing, and I think they're, that's a side that... Uh, Craig Island Rugby Zebra must be a tough podcast right now. <laughs> uh, they um, Senechly crawled over the line against them. Uh, Ulster went there and led 24-0, and were lucky to win. And a try, right? It was basically... Zebra were going to score a try on an overlap. Ulster grabbed it and went down the field and won. Uh, Leinster struggled there. Maybe that's not surprising. But we we just seemed to have the hex on them. They didn't play well, but we did. And we took our chances. 
I was the one thing that slightly surprised me. I was a little surprised that Cooney was taken off after forty-seven yeah. minutes because I thought he was having a phenomenal game. He was brilliant, and I, I could see no logic to that. He wasn't injured. I thought leave him out there. I mean, there's he's, he grabbed his chance. He's a good communicator with the pack, which is something that I sometimes feel Kieran Marmion isn't quite as good as as he is. And he, it's just something about him. He, he's a bit of a Peter Stringer. He's a live wire. He's on the run all the time. But yeah, look, they beat them. They got. They had to beat them. They got the bonus point. It's set up Saturday. Um, great tries. I mean, Midley, you don't run from a scrum in your own twenty-two if you're if you haven't got four tries and thirty points on the team, and you don't get away with it if you haven't got thirty points on the team. The hands for O'Leary's oh, try. Hands, hands for Bridget. You've watched a lot of O'Leary and Conor McKeown. We're excited about Conor McKeown. He's a young star. And O'Leary is a surprising kind of bolter. O'Leary, O'Leary's a, O'Leary gets is a little bit. I'm not saying Nigel has, has treated him badly, but O'Leary probably isn't playing when he was playing for the Eagles, was playing on the wing. And he was and I'm not saying he was just in for his kicking. But McKeown was starting at ten and O'Leary wasn't getting a start as often in where he wanted to play. But he was doing nothing wrong. McKeown I you know, I've seen him in the AAL, I saw him for Leinster, he's under twenties, he looked very, very good. But he's raw. O'Leary is raw as well. But he's been playing in a team that has won games and has learnt an awful lot. You look at the guys that started last week. Masterson, Delan, uh, Shane O'Leary, Tessa McKeown have all played in the BNI Cup against Bristol, who are going to go up. Um, um, Ponty Breed, who, by the way, hello Ponty Breed, you are amazing. Um, who are unbeaten? Who are unbeaten in their league? And London Scotty, and they've learned a lot from that as well. Because they were coming up against, there was these were kids coming up against. Let's be honest about it, men who, if they hadn't been down a mine, had certainly heard, certainly were bred from men who'd lived all their lives down a mine. Tough, teak tough, and they learned a lot from it. And now they're getting a chance to bring it to, against international players, and they're standing up. Now it may not be coming off, but they're standing up to it. They they learned a lot, and these guys get their chance. They take it, and it's great to see it. No, it's you doubt you should this be happening, but that's another issue for another day. And I like to say, oh, it's good. And I think it's good that we can do this. That we are turning to Liza Connor and Shane and Olsen when we have to. The fact that we have to, that's Pat, that drives Pat nuts. But they're not letting the side down. And I think they've learned a lot from a season where there have been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Owen Masterson is one of them. I spoke to him after the game. First of all, um, that was a fantastic battle to come out with a six-try win. I'm sure you're well aware at this stage, even coming into the team, how many times Connacht have come over here and won, but how difficult it always is. Yes, I suppose that's the thing. When you look at the scoreline, it always seems like it was an easy victory, but it's it's never that against the Italian teams. As you know, they're a big physical team, and especially in the first half there, we, they put us under a lot of pressure um, with their line breaks, their backs, that top played very well, and then they had us under a lot of pressure in the scrum. So, um, yeah, from that point of view, it was very difficult from the forwards. Great start though great turnover pressure on the turnover as well and how well you converted uh, your scores once you got the chances like yeah I thought we were very clinical uh, especially in the first half when we got into the 22 um, you saw Maddie and John Cooney how how, uh, how dangerous they can be and so you know we were just trying to get the ball into their hands as much as we could and thankfully got a few scores off in the first half yeah Healy was fantastic what about that tackle from Robbie Henshaw as well <laughs> it really changed the game too didn't it yeah yeah that was massive especially just after uh, conceding and I think he got a bit of a bang in the head for his troubles as well but uh, yeah 
serious hit and Maddie picked it up and ran half the pitch so that's it's always nice to see from a fall from her forwards can you get take me into what it's like to play in that kind of heat obviously it would have been on your mind beforehand is it as much a mental thing as it is a physical thing I think it's both uh, we were, were prepared all week for it you know our nutritionist and Paul Bunce our strength and conditioner you know we're preparing us all week you know trying to get the fluids on board the salts and whatnot and you know trying to cool down at half time change of jerseys whatnot so um, we, we were well prepared for it it didn't surprise us and uh, I think we coped with it pretty well there's been plenty of evidence over the last few weeks in the defeats that while you had lost five games in a row you were losing to some of the top sides in the league but this win is really important for your confidence going into next week isn't it yeah even even though we were losing you know you look at the Glasgow game there is 31-13 but you know I think we had far more opportunities and then far more possession far more territory the, the only thing was they scored more tries than us so um, you know we, 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 we didn't have our heads down at all you know we uh, took massive confidence from the reviews that we did you know it's the same every week you know we review what we did well what we did poor and you know we learned from the Glasgow game coming in here that we need to be more clinical in the 22 and as you saw there we really converted when we got in there this week thankfully On to other things uh, before we get to the Ospreys game which is obviously the key point and we're going to preview it in a little bit more detail and we'll have a few rants at the end the lads I, I have rants this week everyone has rants uh, signings Alan you know maybe just taking up on last week you weren't in last week's podcast nope you may have noticed we missed you for a couple of small things but it was okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninny brought the positivity anyways we needed that <laughs> someone had to but leaving, leaving that aside uh, maybe you want to take up some stuff of, the, of that discussion about signings you know we talked about the fact that Pat Lamb had mentioned that you know it's one thing saying Mills Moline is gone where's that money going to it goes to signing some of our own players again so maybe a note on that yeah you're looking at the you know the guys who were on on development contracts were only on a like 15 16 17 grand if they were on that much mm. in some cases and, and people don't realize how small those contracts are like yeah and it doesn't take much then to bring them up to a proper level of contract which i'm assuming is around the 40 50 maybe even more mm. depending on who it is it only takes three or four of them and all of a sudden all that 300 grand has just disappeared and i'm quite happy with that i'm happy to see us signing all these young irish lads and keeping them here and and you know having them in a, in a situation where you know certainly why why would robbie henshaw want to go to leinster now <laughs> you know looking at looking at the state of there and where they're at and and you know how fired up was he the last day you know that tackle and just yeah. the way he's played for Connacht since he came back as if we'd ever expect Robbie to be anything other than 100% there's an extra little bit of exuberance what, he's get, what he brings now is leadership he's obviously been like an unbelievable sponge yeah but he's been he's been taught by Darcy and O'Driscoll who have spent a lot of time with him because he is special like he's special enough to be on the side of a plane now you know <laughs> Erlingus have painted his face on the side of a plane and he's doing that while he's still playing for Connacht. He painted his face on Pratichetti as well which first day knock on but that's a whole other story. Well he's, he's even doing the um, plane announcements how to put your seatbelt on so <laughs> I'll tell you uh, I'll tell you what, you what you do notice about him I think it's just the Ireland experience he does everything with absolute conviction Yeah. he believes that everything he does is going to work. And when it doesn't work, he thinks, well, it'll work the next time. That's what you get when you just have that little something. Um, and you can see it. And, okay, he had the intercept against uh, Glasgow, but he got up and got on with it. It didn't get... It, it's harder for players who haven't got that... Um, ex- and he has experience. He's experienced at the top level. 
but uh, yeah, that tackle was uh, that was epic you've stuff. Just, you've just reminded me of a podcast today I was listening to. I'm sure you heard this one as well, Alan, uh, where, the, where the speaker at the TED conference was talking about success and mastering, and success is is achieving some specific goal, but mastering is achieving that goal over and over again, yeah. and and that's what we're getting with guys who are coming back from international level. That maybe some of our young players who have the potential to be just as masterful as Robbie Henshaw just need that break. Like. That is true. They just need like somebody else can do it. I mean, doesn't have to. By the way, Rob's doing exams at the moment. I met him. This is a complete. This just tells you the type of guy he is. We walked past him. He'd gone past me. Oh, that's Rob. This was Friday week when the lights, the power had gone off half the campus. He, along with I will say, he along with about five hundred other people, did an hour's exam in the pitch dark because they would have had to reset in the summer if they hadn't did it. You'd never know the guy was doing the exams. He, He's not big boy on campus. We never see him. Actually, I'll say that about all the con lads. Uh, the only time I ever see them is when they're in the library. That's where I work. Therefore, they're putting their heads down. They, there's no none of that with them. But funny story about Ulton Delana. I was doing the commentary, and if anyone was listening to me, uh, like one of my little weak spots in, in rugby commentaries is four and five. I don't go for actual physical identification. I always just go number and four and five, and I just get it mixed up sometimes. And Ali Muldowney gets. I thought got the ball for that try to set up to set up John Cooney it was Ulton Delan who did the assist funny story is I go Ali Muldowney brilliant pops it off to Cooney try Zebra is not one of the most atmospheric grounds in the world the iconic management team are only down the road uh, like literally two ro- two seats down or more probably eight seats down but the, my voice travels through the whole stadium I'm like a stadium announcer to which instead of the iconic management team celebrating the try they're all going no 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 it was Ulton it was Ulton no 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 it was Ulton and I shifted in my seat going what's going on I was told by the iconic management who's going to try, or who set up the try but anyways I digress on another topic before we finish on this and I'll start with you Alan bring William in because he hasn't been in for a while Alan the Aaron Keneally player of the season nominee in the All-Ireland League outstanding performance for Lansdowne this year great story first of all delighted for him he's a tremendous player he's come up the ranks with Corinthians but he's one of the guys who slipped out of the the conic setup for various reasons could have been injuries as well because he's gone through a lot of injuries that kind of balance that's still there so we know we're developing local players at an amazing rate guys will always slip through the cracks but I do look at the signing like Fox in a position that we've argued an awful lot is a real weak position we need more open sides and then I look at Canadi and I just wonder did we need to go to New Zealand for, for another for a Willie Flume replacement yeah, I, I do wonder that myself. Now, I was talking to a guy who who knows, who was um, in New Zealand and grew up around the same time as, as Fox coming through, and he rates him as higher higher than Heenan, so, you know, okay. we, we don't know. We, yeah, and Pat know. Lamb, like, it's not just a, an agent kind of selling it to him. Pat Lamb has his links in that club. And well, if I look at it, if you look at Pat Lamb's influence and what he's signed, the only mistake he's made so far is Mullahina. Mm. And that's you know as far as you know I I was backing the whole Mullane all the way through, but we haven't had any major signings since he didn't perform on the field. Um, he's just hasn't been what we wanted him to be. And I think if he had been what we wanted him to be, we would be in a position to be in Champions League next year and because I, he didn't give us the leadership that we needed. And I also think, and I know you agree with this, that he did give us that leadership in the first half of the season, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just didn't come in the second half of the season. So that was that. From the moment he threw that pass. Over the head of Tiernan and Tiernan Halloran, the whole thing just seemed to go, oh, okay. We still need to get that balance right, don't we, in terms of overseas signings and what we have here? Well, I think the overseas signing situation is complicated by the fact that all of the other provinces seem to look overseas continually. 
So maybe there's a feeling that we have to do that as well. And they are ahead of us in the league. So that increases pressure to do it. But you've got to get the right guy. And you've got to get guys who... It, look, a player can get injured on the first training session and you think, that's made a complete mess of that. But some of the signings, some of the two big signings haven't worked. So maybe they're going to try a different approach. Dave. What? Two. You saying... Oh, Craig Clark as well. Oh, Craig Clark. Craig Clark. Yeah, well, I, I, thought, I would have said Bundy was, was a bigger sign and then both of those guys nearly. Yeah. Because he was an up-and-coming all And Tom McCartney... Just, just about on the ledger where's where thing. And Tom McCartney's been an unbelievable And what's interesting revelation. about McCartney is Aki was a signing that you could have signed off a paper because of the fact that he was in Team of the Season and stuff. Whereas McCartney was a signing that came from absolute kind of knowledge on the ground that this is a guy that's actually going to be really effective for us. But that wasn't on Teams of the Season, so he didn't have Super Rugby Club. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's the, it was the two big signings because they were the ones that were really trumpeted. Okay. Tom McGurney's been excellent. Yeah, yeah. Super. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I agree with the boys. I, I think we're still, Fox could be anything. We, we actually don't know. Um, we haven't seen enough of him. He could be brilliant. He could be, he could be, he could be, he could be a Tom McCartney. He could be a, a James Oyalo. Um But, <laughs> but I, but I we like should draw a scale with the two heads on either end of it. Come here. But finally, if we're going to give out, every club has done it. Shane Monahan at Gloucester. And most, most obviously, the guy that everybody let get away and probably is a little harshly treated by the Irish management, Gart Steenson. Both guys. We didn't let them go. Other countries, other provinces did. Everybody does it. And well played. Fair play to Aaron Kennedy. I'm just good to see him come back. And who knows? He may come back into the college setup. You just don't know. William, what should we expect from the Ospreys? They were good against Glasgow. Um, just some of the stuff that you've seen from them for the last few weeks. Uh, they're playing exceptionally well. I was in uh, Neath three weeks ago. I had the. Uh, opportunity to go and look at their training facility which is uh, staggering uh, and when you see what Connacht are operating with and the budget and that leads to real pressure to perform and they are performing they're mm. playing well as a unit they play at speed and they've peaked at the right time I mean they, they were you know, bobbling along in fifth for a long time uh, they're going to come here to play a serious game. If if they if they knew the position they were in, they'd send a week inside and have rest, guys. But they want that home semi final. It's nobody has ever won uh, a semi final as the away team. It could be as tough as anything we've experienced at the sports ground. I mean, it could be at the level of when Toulouse came in here, so switched on. Yeah, I think so. Like these guys have scored, you know, over 20 points in their last five games. They've won their last five games since the Six Nations. They have gone on a winning spree, and you know, they're they're, they're hammering teams. They're, you know, okay, they weren't particularly brilliant teams that they've played. Glasgow's the only decent side they've played in the last five games. Because you're talking about Cardiff, Treviso, and Zebra. And before that it was Munster, but that was just at the end of the, the you know the Six Nations, and it's you know Munster never quite the same that first week back. So like, yeah, Glasgow was a, a huge result for them because like it was the first time they'd had a decent side to play against. Having said that, we're 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 doing well. I think I think we're playing a lot better um, than we were than we had been. I don't think that I think that losing streak was a bit harsh on us. Um, played some great rugby in that in in those games, and you know a little bit of luck now and a little bit of confidence. And I would like to see John Cooney start. I think he gives us something of a, I don't know, he just gives us something that you know Kieran used to give us and hasn't given us for a little while. Now he did come on and play well, but the game was already over. But I think I'd like to see Cooney start. 
one other thing to go back to you. One, uh, just chatting to some of the Connacht uh, management team after the game, not giving too much away, but they did speak about some of the support lines they're trying to get Connacht players to run. And it was really interesting that what they were talking about was around what Cooney had shown up doing the first half. But what was really encouraging is that Kieran Marmion was in the exact same positions in the second half, which speaks to me about the processes as beyond the quality of the players but also the fact that we have two quality nines and both of them are fulfilling the role so the example was both Cooney's tries as support lines were outstanding and Kieran Marmion's support line in the lead up to Shane O'Leary's try yeah and, and it does seem that we, we did, the guys have bought into the whole process thing because mm. even though we went through a losing streak we still try to keep playing good rugby, playing the game the right way, yeah. as in throwing the ball around, having having faith in their own skills. The skill set does seem to have improved again recently. Like one of the things we were giving an awful lot of credit to Mullane at the start of the season, but we've we've got two skills coaches in there, Dave Ellis and Andre Boda, who I think have done a fantastic job because the skill, the quality that we're playing with these days, is far above anything we have done before. Not quite sure it's enough to get us against the top four side because you know that's what Glasgow did they just had that extra little bit more that was there but we're not far away yeah I mean even even if they did bring over the you know like the Colts and the, and the, and the, the lads the lads out of the pub they'd still be a, a damn fine team yeah. I mean they're just I mean it, they've got a history I mean they for, for province in Wales they have a history now it's a history that's been kind of shunted, shut, cut and shunted together from Neath and Swansea, but that's pretty good history. Um, they want to win. They, they, perhaps unlike for a long time, like us, they they think they will win. Now if we go out there thinking we will win, we may win. If they go out there thinking they will win and they perform like that, they will definitely win. Um, your hope, you may, you'd be tiny bit hopeful that you may decide to rest some of the boys for bigger challenges coming on. I can't see that. Yeah, but you, you, you're, you're grasping the source. I mean, Steve Tandy's a smart coach. He's yeah. an underrated coach because he's very off the radar in, in Washington. He doesn't appear, he doesn't appear on, on, on Scrum 5. He doesn't appear to, he doesn't make big, bold statements like some coaches in Wales who have, who have said a lot and produced very little and then found themselves on Scrum 5 rather than coaching a team. Um, but I, I, I like the Ospreys. I think Reese Webb is one of that's probably been the most improved player in the last 18 months. Um, He's their top try scorer with 10 tries, twice as much as any other player on that team. Yeah, he just said it all, really. He's brilliant. <laughs> Steve Tandy, of course, did go on Scrum 5 and say he'd been offered the Connacht job, oh, but yeah. decided he uh, didn't want it, having agreed to take it. In terms of their Scrum, so they're good They're good up front. You know, They're good in the back row. Tipperick is one of my favourite flankers in the league. Yeah. It's brilliant, isn't he? Tipperick, every time he comes here, he's just a joy to watch. If anyone, if there's any young, young player out there, young back row player who wants to see how to play the game, as you know, brilliantly and as quietly as possible. You watch Justin Tipperick on Saturday. He is an amazing player. And they got on the bench. They got one of my favourite props of the season. So I've seen so far was Dimitri Arhip. He's a Moldovan. They took him over in a kind of a long shot. He is superb. He's on the bench, and he's on the bench because Aaron Jarvis is, is there, and he's outstanding. But they're going to have depth in their front row. I think I think the Ospreys have the best front row resources, and they have done throughout the league, but they certainly do now. And just little things that I think they sign really, really. Clever ever really good rugby players yeah I think they're, they're, they're probably the best club in Wales and have proven to be so for mm. quite a long time and as William says their setup is is world class um, and just they keep you know they've won it three times haven't they won the league three times 
So like you know, and one of them was away at Leinster in in, in the RDS after they just won the, the Heineken Cup. So like they they have proper history. And Glasgow have shown William how hard it is to get to that level. You know, in terms of like winning away in the final and stuff. And Ospreys have taken it, and they're consistent too. Well, they're consistent at this time of the season. Mm. Um, they seem to be able to just turn it on much more so than any of the other Welsh teams who. Senecli is a good example are, are, are completely unpredictable but the Ospreys are organised determined have a simple enough game plan but they, they execute it well Dave Connacht you know Masterson playing very well Muldoon had a fine game the last day so the back row really operated superbly well you know there are some elements I think Naupu off the bench is a really good weapon and Marmion off the bench is going to be a bit of a weapon and you know what with all their injuries in the back line how good are O'Leary and McKeown putting their hands up and showing what they can do Oh, it's going to be great. Oh, you're, you're hopeful. I mean, you've got probably the best team in the competition. Uh, arguably the best team in the competition. I think it's between themselves and Glasgow. Um, but they won last weekend, so clearly you have to say they are the best team in the competition. Um, they are man for man, unless they pick somebody we've never heard of. And even then, you can't guarantee it. Man for man, on paper, better than us. But we don't play on paper. We play on, we play on the pitch. And sometimes you can produce an effort that if you, you cannot which even in your most wildest dreams is greater than the sum of your individual parts and it's not impossible that they may just have a blip it's not impossible it's again I'm, I keep on bit everything is possible it's unlikely the odds are point against it but it's not impossible but so they- we need to think about that but we will have to perform like we did against the like beginning of Zebra plus 20%. How exciting is it going to be though for me and you and all the fans, even the journalists like to be have five games up in front of us, four of which really matter, two of which absolutely matter to us, our game. I mean, this is this is why we follow rugby for I, 28 games in a season. I've never been in a situation where I'm gonna to have to legitimately be listening to three games, none of which are you. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, because and by the way, BBC Wales wanted every ISDN line at the ground, so they're, they're coming over with two radio stations and a television station. RTE are here, but obviously listen to God. Well, well, yeah, well, we there officially, officially, we, stay at home this officially we don't. We're we'll doing it this weekend, Rob. Yeah, right? you, <laughs> we, might have to, we might have to give up our ISDN line to Radio Iceland. Just come and stand beside myself and William and do the commentary from the stand. <laughs> That's right. There was a few end of season games when they were so irrelevant that I was able to do that, but that was back in the day. So, so this is good times. So, yeah, there's that. I think that was the main thing I wanted to ask you. Just how, how much are you looking forward well, to this? Yeah, the, the thing to remember, they did lose. Their, their away record is 1-5, lost 5. So they're not unbeatable away from home. Okay. So it is something that, you know, that there's a smidgen of a hope there. You know, they might have their eye on the following week because no matter how well we play, the top teams think of us as, ah, uh, it's Connacht. And that's, you know, if they come down at 5% and we up our game another 5% then there's, there's a chance there's a, I, I'm just delighted that we actually have something to talk about and we're you know it's, it's brilliant to see and we've got a whole lot of young Irish lads out there doing it for fun we just have to not screw up in the last 10 minutes of the first half that's where we've been blowing up we've we just we've been playing Glasgow Ulster 30 minutes grand last 10 minutes pear-shaped yeah and even if you yeah. can see one try in that last 10 minutes lock up shop seven points doesn't matter double digits does matter in that period oh yeah and, and just and just because we because we do come out even when we played meh we do come out with a bit of a, a rocket in the start of the second half now it doesn't always last and certainly against Ulster it didn't last and 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 you know against Glasgow it didn't last but at least you may they're naturally they're, they're guys they're good guys when it comes to throwing the ball about 
this may be a time where for the last time it's the first half just stick it up your jumper give it to Rodney in terms of run at people give it to Dennis in terms of run at people and then don't try don't try offloads get to half time ahead or within a score then for the last 40 minutes of the season which it could well be just go for it go down on your swords because I think they will they'll go down they'll be carried off on their shields now we could which that's all I want I want to go out there fighting I don't want maybe I'll give an example I'd rather us be Burnley and go down that way than the way QPR went down last night. That's brilliant. How, what a brilliant contrast. QPR went with like 120 fans to Man City. Burnley went with two and a half, three thousand 3,000 fans. And I honestly bring that up, William, to say the Connick fans all season, they're there. They're like Burnley fans. William, Dennis Buckley, Robbie Henshaw in the team of the season. Incredible to get two players in that. Well, fully deserved. Yeah. Dennis Buckley's been a revelation this season played brilliantly all season every game uh, has played 20 games according to the stats I'm not sure whether that covers it coming on as a substitute it's still a hell of a lot of games they've only played 21 um, Robbie Henshaw look we've already discussed him Ali Muldani was unlucky to miss out He's really unlucky yeah. in the second half of the season but, second half of the season definitely yeah, but look at the, look at the guys who were ahead of Alan Wynne Jones is Alan Wynne Jones yeah, and yeah. Franco van der Merwe is the only player on the team with more minutes than Dennis Buckley that's saying an awful lot about both van der Merwe and Dennis yeah. uh, and also the backs apart from I think one, the two the two Glasgow boys all the backs have got less than 900 minutes so Dennis has put in one hell of a shift this season <laughs> alright uh, rant time um, mine yeah, I like I, rant. do you want, do you want to go for it Let's get Alan go first. He's told us about this rant earlier, and he refused to tell us what it was. So it's really exciting times here. No, it's 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 there was there was a couple of you know following the the match report, and we were complained about the fact that the the referee couldn't give us a try because he couldn't understand the guy, and it was a hassle about the, you know should the TMO be able to speak English, whatever. My rant is that I've had it already this season, and I, I saw some people writing on messages on message boards for papers complaining that the guy couldn't speak English. You're in Italy. Referees should speak Italian. Um, referees should be speaking the language of the thing doing. These guys are professionals. They need to learn to speak the language. It's just totally and utterly unfair. So disrespectful playing, as well. Absolutely. Completely and utterly disrespectful. They don't have to learn the whole goddamn thing. They just need to learn the calls. The, the, the yeah. crouch, touch, engage, or whatever the hell it is these days. I've forgotten so many different ones. Basic communication skills. Simple stuff. No one's going to be sitting at home judging their grammar in French. Just no, make sure no. you can communicate with the guy. Absolutely. And in I know this case, Italian, obviously. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of English guys and, and uh, Australian guys and. Uh, and Kiwis and whatever yeah. English and you know what they'll tell there. you oh when you hear Zebra warming up they're speaking in English nonsense doesn't matter if doesn't we're going to grow rugby English. English. it's respect great, for great where we're at and where, where the league should be it's, it's simple respect just because English is the, is, the, is the standard language doesn't mean that it's you know it should, they should be disrespected like that two rants for me and if anyone has one of these, just stop me and I'll let you do it. Coin toss in the Gloucester game, neither of you want to do that. Gloucester win a coin toss for home advantage before the other teams uh, decided who's in the playoff, which you might understand because maybe it's as well for TV and stuff to get that organised. But what you don't understand is how that coin toss isn't done in some sort of official way where there was a Pro 12 guy there, we'll throw it on YouTube, we'll do it live, it was done quietly, a Gloucester press release comes out, delighted that they've got a home advantage. It 
does not look good on the Pro 12 and the English Premiership when you do a coin toss like that and just throw a press release out and all of a sudden the guys who are currently running European rugby just happen to win the coin toss as well. Doesn't look good. Don't think there was any illegitimate behind it. But come on, lads. The optics. Shocking. Second point, just on the TMOs. In, or in American sports, ice hockey in particular, they monitor games from a studio in Toronto. They have professional referees in there. There is absolutely no reason why you can't find a location anywhere in Europe. I've said this to a few people and they fully agree with me and have your TMOs there. They could sit there and do three games in the, in the night. They could work together. It would improve the quality of what they were doing. And then, you know the money you save on bringing your TMO to a match? You have put it into two officials to travel with the referee and we make sure we get a team in the tr- going there. Those were my two rants, so um, I don't have a rant this week. I'm going to say, I think Ian Henderson should have been sent off and I think it's about time it was done we saw two one in England one in Ireland that has been driving me nuts all year the leading with the elbow and the head into the rock and I'm not saying we are completely innocent in that because some of the things I've seen us do but relatively speaking in comparison to other teams we do not lead with the high arm the high arm is very dangerous it's always it's almost always on the blind side of the referee it's happening in tackles it's happening in it's happening at rocks Henderson's was not as bad as Boys. Boys is the most ridiculous, blatant yet red card. This is also coming back to referees. Oh, and by by the way, the one little caveat that to your rant about TMOs is that you would, if you do have what you propose, you also wouldn't have the farcical situation where you don't have TMOs at some matches and you do at others. That is utterly, unbelievably awful, and that applies to every single game. It is unbelievable that you have. Of six matches over the weekend, there is a possibility one of those matches will not have a, 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 refer, uh, a TMO, while all the others will. That is unfair in the teams in that match. But finally, but let's see, the TMO in in Ravenhill um, worked was was not uh, was not supersede, was not superseding Nigel Owens, probably because it was Nigel Owens. In Leicester, you had a situation where Wayne Barnes was only going to give a yellow card but was persuaded by the TMO to give the red card. That's the TMO's working well. What we saw in Italy was the TMO not running well. And if it means the stamp out of the leading with the elbow, as I saw a couple of occasions, and I will, I am with my green, green spectacles on, saying a lot of the times, our guy, I've seen a lot of our guys go for tackles, go around the shoulder, and just be elbowed in the face. And it's with the arm that the ref can't see. And it's prevalent on all teams and we are not completely innocent on it either and we're leading the Specsavers League in fair play oh does that get us a place in Europe like UCD (laughs) (laughs) okay that's it I don't need to tell you to get down to the sports ground because if you're listening to this you'll be there so enjoy it drink it in as the Sky Sports commentator said because it's one of those special days and let's hope we can deliver Ospreys there's three of them three players lounges yeah they have a food place in there they have massage tables pool tables and then you you swing forward and that's the full size training pitch full size training pitch three quarter size astroturf pitch and then they go inside and they have a three quarter size astroturf pitch with a roof on it nice and pictures on podcasts I don't roof, know if it even works the roof can join us next week drop down cameras come out of the roof inside right. they can record each individual player what they're doing how they're training wow. so nobody can get away with yeah. carrying an injury